Hello, everyone, and welcome to Genocide News Now, a news update from the Anti-Genocide Coffee Break, a multinational podcast brought to you by the Lemkin Institute for Genocide Prevention. My name is Teresa, and I will be your host today. You can find us at www.lemkininstitute.com, as well as on Patreon, Spotify, and iTunes. All the news and action items mentioned in the podcast are available on our website. Now, let's dive into the news and catch up on the latest. The initial focus of today's episode is Sudan, where on November 4th, the Rapid Support Forces, RSF, seized an army base in West Darfur. The army base is located in Ardamada, just outside the West Darfur capital of El Janina. Many who live in the area are now facing and suffering displacement, sexual violence, torture, and executions perpetrated by the RSF. There are multiple tragic stories of Mosulet women attempting to flee with their babies only to have their babies shot by the RSF. It appears that the RSF singled out male babies for killing as one mother was told that no men can escape to Chad after her infant son was killed. There is an additional account of a woman being gang-raped in front of her mother with the men saying, the baby will be Arab, as they finished. According to reporting by The Economist, UN data appear to back up allegations that men are being singled out and shot when they try to leave. Eyewitness accounts appear to reinforce this methodology. With one woman stating that all the men in her group were killed when stopped for a roadblock by Arab militiamen. It has been reported that the RSF went door to door in Ardamata, rounding up all Mausolet men they could find and killing them. The Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights stated that 66 Mausolet men were summarily executed in three separate incidents on November 5th alone. The purposeful killing of children and babies, the mass rape of women, mass murder of battle-aged men, and the appropriation of biological resources all constitute patterns of genocide and make clear the genocidal intent of the RSF toward the Mazalit population. The Mazalit are an ethnic African group residing in Darfur as well as Chad. They have been especially targeted in the waves of violence following the beginning of the war eight months ago. The RSF has denied responsibility for the violence in Ardamata, blaming it on the Sudanese army. According to the UNHCR, an estimated 800 people were killed during the early November attacks in Ardamata. Thousands of people are now fleeing West Darfur due to the risk of full ethnic cleansing in the region, as the RSF has taken control of four of the region's five states since the beginning of November. Many fear that North Darfur will face the same fate as those in Ardamata if the RSF is successful in capturing it from the Sudanese army. The Lemkin Institute urges the international community to find a coherent response and not become complicit in the genocide that is now unfolding towards the Mazalit population in Sudan, and particularly in Darfur. Loud voices are needed. As the international community focuses on the Israel-Gaza conflict, we must make sure not to overlook the horrors people are living through in this corner of the world. Turning our attention to Germany, German President Frank Walter Steinmeier recently apologized for the atrocities committed by the German colonial troops against Maji Maji in the early 20th century. He issued this apology during a visit to Sanhea, Tanzania, where a massacre of the indigenous Maji Maji took place. 
Maji Maji translates to the term sacred water and is in reference to special water from the Uluguru Mountains, which people believed would protect men from bullets by transforming the bullets into water. This belief resulted in the installation of drinking stations, which allowed the various tribes fighting colonization to sprinkle themselves with this water for protection. Between 1905 and 1907, German colonial troops and their machine guns massacred an estimated 200,000 to 300,000 Maji Maji in response to an anti-colonial uprising over frustrations around cotton farming and heavy taxation. The German president stated that he felt ashamed of what happened and vowed to raise awareness in his country of the atrocities that occurred within the German empire. Along with you, I mourn Chief Sanhea and the others who were executed, he said. Steinmeier also offered an assurance that, quote, together with you, we will try to find the skull of Chief Sanhea in Germany, end quote according to remarks released by his office. Unfortunately, I just can't promise you that we will be successful, because identifying human remains is difficult, even with scientific expertise, he added. We at the Lemkin Institute applaud Frank Walter Steinmeier for recognizing Germany's atrocities committed during their colonial rule. Further reparations will be welcomed, such as the return of the skull of one of the Maji Maji leaders. The sobering recognition by the German president is a positive step towards such efforts. We now turn our attention to Israel and Gaza and the ongoing conflict. After weeks of negotiations, Israel agreed to a four-day pause in fighting, which started on Friday, November 24th, and was extended through today, Thursday, November 30th with international mediators hoping to negotiate a further extension. If unsuccessful, there will likely be a resumption in fighting after the pause expires. According to reporting by Al Jazeera, sources say Hamas hopes for a more permanent ceasefire, but Israel is determined to resume fighting after the pause has ended. This temporary truce has allowed the much-needed flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza, as well as the release of 180 Palestinian prisoners by Israel. This was an exchange for 81 hostages from Hamas being freed. Many who fled northern Gaza in the past seven weeks do not have a home to return to. The entire population has been warned by Israel that a return to north of Gaza is prohibited. Israeli forces have killed two Palestinians and wounded 11 as they were attempting to return to their homes on Friday the 24th. Israeli ground forces have warned Palestinians who enter the north of Gaza that they will be shot regardless of the deal halting all military action. While the pause to fighting in Gaza continues, violence in the occupied West Bank has been ramping up, with Israeli forces killing two children in Jenin during an Israeli raid that began on Tuesday, November 28th, and continued through Wednesday. Overnight on Tuesday, two hospitals in the area were cut off, with the International Director of Doctors Without Borders explaining the consequences of such action by stating that, there was no way for any of the injured patients to reach the hospital, and there's no way for us to reach these people, according to reporting by The Guardian. Residents in the area appear to believe that the scale of the operation in the West Bank is meant to coincide with the pause in fighting in Gaza. Since the start of this conflict on October 7th, nearly 15,000 Palestinians have been killed, making an extension in the truce between Israel and Hamas all the more urgent for those living in Gaza. It is important, at the same time, that violence in the West Bank not be overlooked. We will continue to keep you apprised on the situation in future episodes. Now, our thoughts remain with the people in Gaza and the occupied West Bank. 
We hope that a further pause in fighting will be announced for the sake of humanitarian purposes and for the safety of those who remain in Gaza, as well as those under threat in the occupied West Bank. Our final news item of the day concerns the Rohingya population and its quest for justice. A complaint filed by Gambia in 2019 on behalf of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation accuses Myanmar of violating the 1948 Genocide Convention during a campaign of military-led violence in 2017 that led to thousands of Rohingya deaths. The military's alleged atrocities include indiscriminate killings, mass rape, and village torching. With approximately 740,000 Rohingya fleeing Myanmar for Bangladesh in 2017, it is of critical importance that these individuals receive the justice they seek and that this occurs sooner rather than later. The International Court of Justice has extended two deadlines for written arguments in this complaint. These extensions give Gambia until May of 2024 to submit pleadings, and the military junta until December of 2024 to submit a counter-argument. This is not the first time the court has extended deadlines to the frustration of many Rohingya. There are some who see continued extensions as a strategy by the junta to attempt to repatriate some Rohingya in an attempt to downplay the severity of their crime in the ICJ. One Rohingya woman shared with Radio Free Asia that, quote, it has been seven years of waiting for a solution. Life in the refugee camp where we live is getting worse day by day, end quote. When understood from the perspective of the many hundreds of thousands who continue to reside in refugee camps until a resolution is met, one can easily understand why such delays are disheartening. The Lemkin Institute expresses its solidarity with the Rohingya and applauds this population's continued perseverance in even the most dire of circumstances. We hope to see the end of the Tatmadaw's reign of terror in Myanmar and a new government that supports and appreciates human diversity. That is all we have for this episode of Genocide News Now. But be sure to tune in to future episodes and stay up to date on global news. Visit our website at www.lemkininstitute.com for more on our work in the field of genocide prevention. And if you would like to take action and make an individual difference, feel free to take a look at our list of resources on our Take Action page on the website. Thank you for listening and have a great day.